Amen. Well, good morning, Grace Life family. It's a joy to be standing here today to be able to open God's Word together. And so as you're turning in your copy of God's Word to Romans chapter 5, that's where we're going to focus our attention today. Romans chapter 5. And as you're turning, let's uh, join our hearts in prayer this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we do stand in awe of your goodness, your faithfulness to us. And that begins at your saving grace. It's the very reason we can gather in this place as your people this morning, Father. And so to you and you alone, we give honor and we give praise. Lord, now as we open your word and we um, turn specifically to Romans chapter 5 today, Father, I pray that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would uh, illumine the truth found in your word for us this morning. God, that you would speak to all of us as only you can uh, through the power of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit in us. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. We're going to read the first 11 verses of Romans 5. Let's read. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For we, excuse me, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This morning, I want us to take one word from verse 1 and, and unpack it and think on that, that one word. And that word is peace. Peace. Now, when you hear that word peace, what, what comes to mind? For some of you that maybe grew up in an earlier generation, some of our more seasoned adults, you may come to picture a flower child, right? Peace, brother. <laughs> Some of you were those flower children. I've seen pictures. No, I'm just kidding. But that, that may conjure up the thoughts of, of a different time that we lived in. For me, growing up uh, in like the high school age of, around the, in the 90s, the peace symbol became popular. It was on T-shirts and it became jewelry. It was a fashion statement. It was very popular. Um, even the word peace can be a greeting of sorts, right? I, I come in peace, Caitlin. I mean you no harm. Right? It's important to us establish that greeting. And it's a good greeting. The Apostle Paul uses it many times in his writings, grace and peace to you. And so it's, it's a good greeting to have. But, but what is peace? How would you define the word peace? Perhaps maybe it's the absence of warfare, the absence of conflict. Once the fighting stops, then we have peace. It's a fair definition. Maybe you think of a season of your life when you had more peace, and oh, if I could just go back to that, or maybe if I can get to those retirement years, I'll have peace finally. Or maybe it's a, a season of the year. 
You think of the Christmas holidays, and you think, oh, it's a time of peace. And, and like Pastor Joel mentioned, maybe it's the, in the next couple of weeks when the back-to-school time, maybe that's your peace that you're looking for in this season of life. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that vacation spot or that far-off hunting camp or the place on the beach or that island you want to get to where you can get off and be by yourself, and, and then and only then can you truly find peace. Perhaps so. Maybe it is a, a favorite vacation spot. But, but don't you think, in, even in those times when you get, finally get to that spot, there's something that disrupts that peace, right? I mean, you've got your beach chair like you like it, and, and your umbrella set just right, and you've got the perfect view of the beach or the water, the waves are crashing in. It's not too hot, not too cold, just right. And then that kid comes and sits right down in front of you and starts building a sandcastle, right? You go, oh, come on, man. There's a huge beach. Wherever your place is, whatever you define peace, today I want us to think about that um, and the reality that in this world, the world that you and I live in, peace can be hard to find. I can't think of a time in my life that I've not been aware of, of some war or some conflict. Sometimes the, the conflict or a war that our very country has been involved in or Definitely other people groups fighting each other, other countries fighting one another. I can't think of a time when there hasn't been war. Or bring it home to the United States of America. Too often it feels like we're the divided states of America. There's, there's conflict in our world, in our country, in our society. There's our great political divide. And we Constantly, especially if you buy in and you're constantly getting fed the news feed, you would think, man, we're on the verge of civil war any moment now. And then you layer on top of that the cultural war that we're in. We're a divided people. There is not peace in our culture. And especially if you hold to the Christian faith, to the Christian worldview, those attacks are constantly coming. We're we used to be in a Christian nation, and then that moved to a post-Christian nation, and now it seems like we're living in an anti-Christian nation. The attacks on, on God's people are endless, and, and we shouldn't be surprised by that, right? Jesus said, if the world hates me, they're going to hate you. And so we shouldn't be surprised by this lack of peace in our culture, in our world. Cultural war seems constant. And so I'm excited in the next few weeks, Pastor Joel is going to be leading us through a, a study in, in, in Christian worldview. And I think it's vital that we know what we believe and why we believe it, and we can stand on that truth. And it's through, the, it's through this Christian worldview this morning that I want to think on and, and look in. And when we say Christian worldview, you know what we're talking about, right? It's what does God's Word say? It's not my opinion. It's not a, another worldview. It's what is God's view? What does God's word say on how we're to live our life? And so it's through this Christian worldview this morning, through the scriptures, that I want to think on the idea of peace and let God's word define for us what is peace. You see, in God's word, peace is not the absence of conflict. In fact, just the opposite. We see from God's word that even in the midst of peace, we, God's people, or in the midst of conflict, we can have peace, we can have hope, we can have joy in spite of the conflict or in spite of the trial. So specifically this morning, there's, there's three areas that I want us to talk about and think about having peace through God's Word. Number one, peace in salvation. Peace in our salvation. Let's, let's go back to some of the basic gospel foundational talking points, right? 
And it begins with, who are we? You see, if you don't get that right, everything else of the gospel really doesn't matter because it starts with, who am I? And what God's word tells me I am. Well, God's word tells me that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So me being a human and you being a human, we're all in the same boat. We are all sinners. We're all sinners. We are in this human state. In our text this morning, verse 10, and also in James chapter 4, verse 4, look at that. It says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So in this natural fallen state, we have to look and ask the question, well, what does it mean to be a friend of the world? Because if a friend of the world is an enemy of God, I don't want to be him. So being a friend of the world is someone who rejects the truth of of the gospel, who rejects that free gift of salvation. Basically, you reject God, God's way. And and when you boil it all down, there's really simply two paths that we can find ourselves on, God's way and the world's way. There's no other options. So this morning, we got to have to ask ourselves, am I walking God's way or am I walking in the world's way? Am I a friend of the world? And therefore, an enemy of God. And I'm afraid this reality of the human state is lost on a lot of people. If, if we just took a general survey of, of the population, I think most people would probably say, I'm a pretty good person. I don't kill and steal and you know, cheat people. I'm a, I'm a good guy. And when I die, I'll probably go to heaven. I, I just hope my good outweighs my bad. And they spend their whole life trying to tip the scales in their favor as if to say, I, 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 could do, ooh, I did a bad thing, so i got to do two good things to, make, to wipe that out. And they spend on this hamster wheel constantly trying to earn their salvation and, and get to eternity at their pearly gates and say, God stands before them, you know, all right, you did good, boy, come on in. Whew, that was a close one. How tragic, how hopeless. I don't know about you, but if I, if I start, the scale never tips in my favor. Because we're sinful people. We're trapped in this sinful nature. But then that's where God steps in. God steps into our fallen world, to that fallen state, and he's made a way for us to no longer remain an enemy of God, but to be saved. That's through his son, Jesus. We simply trust in him. We put our faith in what he did on the cross. Like Pastor Joel was talking about, we think back to what he did on the cross, not what I have to do today to earn that salvation. No, I simply look back at, you did it, God. You sent your son to die for me. He suffered. He died. He took the weight of your wrath, your punishment on himself. And in turn, he gave me his righteousness. That's how we're to be saved. Not to keep doing more good things. Now, yes, we do good things, not to be saved, but because we're saved. We want to live our life in a way that pleases the Lord. But we simply trust in him. We put our faith in what he did on the cross. He took our punishment. And therefore, we're no longer enemies of God. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. No longer enemies of God. We have peace with God. Where, where do you land today? Are you on that hamster wheel trying to do better? Trying to modify your behavior so that God won't spite, you know, smite you? That's, that's not a biblical view of who God is. That's not a biblical view of salvation. Where are you at today? 
Before Jesus, enemies of God. Enemies of God. Think about that. I don't know about you, but that would be a scary place to be. Knowing that I'm the subject of a holy God and his wrath. But because of faith in Christ now, I'm a child of God, forgiven because of his great, amazing grace. Our relationship with God is forever changed. It's made right. You see, we had a relationship with God before Christ. It was just that relationship was we were enemies with God. But then Christ steps in, and then we can be forever changed now. No longer enemies, but child of God, friend of God, forgiven. Jesus became our substitution. He took my sin and gave me his righteousness. And now I have peace with God. What about you? As you sit here today, yeah, you're at church. But people go to church every week who are lost, who think they have done enough to earn God's favor. And this is the cap on the weekend. All right, God, I'm going to tell you how much I love you. I'm going to go to church. Are you sitting here today resting on what you've done? Or are you sitting here today resting on what Jesus did on the cross? There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to that peace in salvation. That's through Jesus. And it goes far beyond just being religious. It's more than just having your name on a church membership roll somewhere. It's, it's more than just doing things for Jesus. And our faith must be more than just understanding and believing that God exists. You say, well, you know, I, I know there's a God. Well, great. So do the, the devil and the demons. In fact, they know there's a God. They know who he is. What about you? Well, my faith carries me through. Your faith in what? Faith in that you're a good person? You're not as bad as that guy? Or you're not doing that kind of stuff? And God surely can send you to hell. In fact, the Bible tells us that the most righteous thing that we can do, apart from Christ, the most righteous thing that we can muster up and do is like a filthy rag. Again, it's not my opinion. It's not my worldview. It's God's worldview, God's truth, God's biblical truth. Well, you don't know what I've done. I'm too messed up. God can't forgive me. What did verse 8 say? But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't say, get your life together and then come to me. He said, I sent Jesus to die for all the good people. No, he said, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. He paid your place. He took your place. He paid your punishment. He paid your debt. Christ died for us. We're all in the same boat. We all stand in need of a Savior. It's too hard. I keep messing up. Keep fighting. The sin nature doesn't want to die. It wants to you know, rear its ugly head and say, you're not good enough. God doesn't love you. You keep messing up. No, keep fighting. Keep fighting. Because the good news is if you're a child of God, you don't fight alone. God fights with you. God fights for you. Keep fighting, brother. Keep fighting, sister. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And he wants you to know his peace and salvation. But not only peace and salvation, you see, we're saved not just to one day go to heaven. We're saved to live today. And so not only do we have peace and salvation, we can have peace in this life. Peace in this life. But you see, the peace that, that comes from God, the peace that comes through Jesus, 
is different. It's different kind of peace. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, his peace is different. The world's peace is a fraud. Think about it. When have you, again, known a time where there's not been fighting? I can't think of a time. Where do we ever see that peacefulness, true, true peace? Rarely, if ever. There always seems to be some kind of conflict. Even in what's been labeled peaceful protest. If that's peace, I'm good, thanks. You keep that peace. Our world can't offer that kind of peace. Or how many times have you heard, you know, finally there's peace in the Middle East. Wait, there's more missiles going. Wait a minute, what? The world doesn't know peace. And peace from the Lord is different. Jesus' peace comes to us in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the trials that we find ourselves in. Not in the absence of those trials, but in spite of those, in the middle of those, in the midst. Look at John 16, verse 33. Again, Jesus says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Where are you looking for that peace? Are you looking in the world, in that season, in that event? Are you looking in Christ? Do you have peace in him, through him? Because, again, his word's clear. This life will bring trials. I don't have to convince you of that. You, you woke up today. You've been alive last week. There were trials. There were circumstances. There were challenges. There were bad doctor's reports. There were broken relationships. There was challenges at work or the job went away. I don't have to convince you that in this life there are trials. But in the midst of those trials, we, brothers and sisters, we can have peace. Our God is the God of all comfort and all peace. Look at Psalms 39, verse 12. It says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. See, God hears our cries. It is right for us to cry out to the Lord. Lord, I, I'm, in, I'm drowning here. Lord, I'm suffering here. He knows it already, right? Nothing takes him by surprise. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Oh my gosh, what did I do? No, he knows what we're about to walk through before we do. And so it's right for us to cry out to God. Lord, save me from this. Help me through this. God hears our prayers. He hears our cries. But then he works through that and in that for our good. Now, God's working, how God works things out, may not always line up with the way we want it to work out, right? If you're like me or maybe you're not like me, you've probably done this in some. God, if, if you would just do this, if you would just do it this way, God, I'm, I promise it'll work out better. I know, God, what's best for me. I know, God, if you'll just do it my way, it'll all be okay. Because we're sovereign. We know it's coming, right? No, we're not. God is sovereign. God knows what's best. And I think too many times Christians, well-meaning Christians, try to pray themselves out of a situation that God put them in for their very good. 
Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray, God, take this cancer from me. God, give me a job. Obviously, God wants us to cry out and pray for him. He knows the desires of our heart already. We're called to pray for them. But ultimately, we have to surrender. We have to trust God. You are sovereign, and I submit to that. His word promises us that he's going to work through those trials. He's going to work through that bad doctor's report for his glory and our good. He says, I will work through all things for the good of those who love him. All things. But God, you didn't see this coming. All things. But God, you don't know what situation I'm finding myself in. All things. Peace in all things. For the child of God, there is joy and peace in this life. Sure, there's moments of fear and of grief. Those aren't evil things. It's, sometimes I'm afraid. I'll be honest with you. There's a couple times this week when this lightning was popping. I was like, whoa, okay. This is, I didn't know how it was going out like this, but okay. Those times where, man, circumstances are, are, are weighty. There's grief, there's loss, there's pain. But God's going to work in that to bring peace and bring comfort and to bring glory to himself. And our mind tends to go in crazy places, right, when, when the, the trials come. Man, we can go to some dark places real quick. But notice what Philippians 4, 7 says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And those, those trials come, those, those terrible times come. Where does our mind go? Where does our heart go? The Bible says, the peace of God will guard that. It'll keep you from that stinking thinking. It'll keep your heart focused. Lord, I'm going to praise you in the midst of the storm. Lord, lead my desires to line up with your will. I, my personal desire right now is for you to take me out of the circumstance. But God, if it's your will for me to remain in the circumstance, God, fix my heart on you. Fix my worship on you. Don't let me get distracted by the waves. I want to keep walking on the water. I want to know your peace that passes all understanding. Over the last week, I was reading a book um, called The Stressless Life. Highly recommend it. Vance Pittman, pastor and author Vance Pittman. He defines peace this way. And I thought, man, this is timely. I'm preaching this, and I love his definition of peace. He says, peace is the sense of divine favor arising from confidence in God and your relationship with him. So my confidence is not in my ability to get out of a circumstance. My confidence is in God and now my, in my relationship with him. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I have a right relationship with God. And so, Lord, you're sovereign. You're in control. This circumstance did not take you by surprise. So, God, my confidence is in you. Now, through our relationship, help me understand. Help me know the peace that only you can provide. I'm not looking to this world to bring peace. I'm looking to you, Jesus, to bring peace in my life. I like that definition because it's not in my control. My confidence is not in me. If it's left up to me, I'll mess it up. I'll pile on the challenges. But God, my, my trust is in you. My faith is in you. And through that, peace comes. Now, this relationship, this peace in our relationship with God can also extend out into peace in other worldly relationships. Right? Because when, when, when we're saved, God then changes our heart. He changes our worldview. He changes our perspective. And we are called to forgive others because we've been forgiven. And, and you know, Paul talks about this ministry of reconciliation that we now have. Now, obviously, it begins with us being reconciled to God. The gospel is, is first and foremost about our relationship with God. But then the ripple effect is when God changes our heart, 
it changes other relationships that we have. He comes and gives us a new heart, a new perspective. We look at the world differently. We look at people differently. We look at that challenging family member a little different now. Now, a few weeks ago, Pastor Joel preached about relationships and reconciliation and made a valid point. Not every relationship can be or should be reconciled. But at the heart of things, there could be forgiveness because that's a working of God. That's a fruit of the Spirit of God working in us. Now, one thing is certain, though, but once we are in Christ, we are changed. We don't view things the same. We now have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. In the Bible, Galatians chapter 5, you see the, the, what the work of the Holy Spirit is doing, the fruit that's being produced in our lives now, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're allowing the Holy Spirit to produce that in your life, don't you think your earthly relationships are going to be impacted? If you're known to be a loving, peaceful, joyful, patient, kind, gentle person, don't you think you're going to have some friends? Don't you think your marriage, wives, husbands, if, if that fruit was constantly in your home, don't you think it would be a good place to want to be? Okay, just me. All right. Brandy, we'll work on that. No, of course, our relationships will be impacted greatly. When somebody pops off at us, we're not going to mm, pop back. Nope, Lord, give me control. Or going into the office, Lord, you know there's that guy. I'm going to choke him out today if you don't intervene. Lord, give me the pay. No, we review him differently. Lord, I'm going to this meeting, and he and I don't see eye to eye. Don't let me get in the flesh. Let me abide in you, abide in your spirit. Help me produce the fruit of patience and kindness in my, in my world today. You see, in Christ, our perspective changes. We don't view things the same way as the rest of the world does. We look at the world differently now. Our worldview is different. It's filtered through the Word of God. And we're called to love our enemies. Bless those who persecute you. I can't do that. You can't do that. But Christ in us, the Holy Spirit working in us can. And, in, and that results in peace in our lives, peace and salvation peace in our life. But not only that, number three, we can have peace in eternity. Peace forever in all of eternity. Look back at our text, verses eight and nine. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we, we, shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We shall, we will be saved from the wrath of God. Scripture is very clear. There is a future, final judgment of God coming to this world. It will happen. And in his perfect timing, in his perfect will, God will take his church out of here. And those that are left are his enemies. They're not the forgiven. They're not the children of God, the church. There's enemies, and the Bible's clear. He will pour out his full fury, his full wrath, and sin will be punished. And they will receive the full fury of the wrath of God, which will culminate in being cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. But for the child of God, hopefully for you, for me, those who have received this peace and salvation are experiencing peace in this life, there will ultimately be peace in all of eternity. 
I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 19. As this is talking about the future heaven and future glory that we will experience, listen to what God's word says and picture this, the peace that we will have ultimately one day. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. God's wrath has been poured out. His punishment is true and just. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. And then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the love of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready, and it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. And then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And then chapter 21 Picture this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more for the Former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Man, if that doesn't bring you peace, knowing that if you're a child of God, that peace is waiting. Yeah, there's trials, there's tears, there's pain, there's hurt here. But he's going to wipe away all of that. And one day for all of eternity, try to wrap your brain around eternity forever and ever. No more sin, no more death, no more conflict, no more pain. Peace. Peace that only God can bring. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace with God. Scripture is very clear. The final judgment is coming. Where do you stand today? It's good and right that we as child, children of God long for that peace. That doesn't make us suicidal. But if we sit here today and go, well, this is it, how hopeless would that be? No, we recognize this is not our home. There is tears. There is pain here. And yes, we can have peace in this life, but one day Christ is going to come back and take us home and wipe away all this and make all things new. And in that, we long for that one day we will see him face to face. We will see his glory truly for what it truly is. What peace we will have. Yes, we can have peace and salvation right now. I pray that you do. If you don't, today can be the day of salvation for you. You don't have to do anything. Just simply say, Lord, thank you 
that you sent your son to die for me. Today, you can have peace and salvation. Brothers and sisters, are you fighting in conflict today in this life? We don't know what this week holds. There's trials, there's challenges, there's highs and lows. But in the midst of that, Jesus has promised us peace. Where are you looking this week? And then collectively, man, when we think about eternity, I long for him. I long to dwell in his presence when he wipes away every tear, every sin, gone forever. He will bring us peace, ultimately peace, that we cannot even, hardly even understand. But if we are a child of God, no longer an enemy of God, if you're a child of God, if you've been forgiven, that's the promise from God's word. We can have peace. I pray that's for you today that you're embracing that peace and you're longing for that peace that can only come through a saving work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe of your goodness. We stand in awe of of your love and mercy for us, Father, that you would send your own son, like like we sang about, that would take on the suffering and the pain and and would take on the full wrath of, of God, the Father, in my place. I pray, God, that if there's anyone here today, God, that doesn't know that peace and salvation, that today would be the day that they surrender to you through the working of the Holy Spirit in their heart. Father, help them to see their great need for a Savior. But God, for those of us who who know that salvation and know that peace, but help us to walk in it and to stand in it and to live by it every day, that our focus not be on our circumstances, but our focus would be on Christ alone. He alone is worthy of our praise and Help us to walk in that peace and help us to be those peacemakers in our earthly relationships. God, you know the hurt, the pain that we endure and walk through. Thank you, the promise of your word, that we will not walk alone through that valley of the shadow of death. But you are with us. And Lord, as we think on eternity, we long for the day that Christ comes back to take us home. God, thank you for the, the feeling of hope that we have, knowing that one day all this pain, all the tears will be wiped away, God, and you will make all things new, God, for your glory, and we will praise you. So thank you, Father, that we can set our hope in the future glory to come. God, we love you, and thank you that you love us. And as we continue our worship, Father, I pray that We fully surrender to your will for our lives in whatever form that needs to be, whether it's salvation, whether it's repentance for uh, wrong thinking. God, you just fill us with your spirit today and the days ahead, Father, as we seek to do your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together in this closing time of worship, I'll be down front. If I can pray with you, for you, I'd be glad to. These steps. This altar is open. If you want to come and bow before the Lord in prayer, however the Holy Spirit leads you to respond, you respond. But let's continue our praise together.